Welcome to Kaleidoscope on WSJF. On Kaleidoscope, we take a topic, hold it up to the light, shake it up, and look at it to find something new and beautiful. Today on Kaleidoscope, we're talking with two local authors from the Sykesville-Eldersburg area, Andrew Turner and Michael Murphy, who are both parishioners of St. Joseph Catholic Community. We'll be talking to them about their lives, what caused them to start writing, and about their books. Our host on this edition of Kaleidoscope is Danny Gallagher. So we're here today with Michael Murphy and Andrew Turner to talk about their books. And so thanks a lot for coming in, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And so um, I think probably the best way to start off today would be to just talk about your lives a little bit. And so, Michael, can you just uh, share a little bit about your life here at St. Joseph Catholic Community in, in the Eldersburg area? Well, my wife Pam and I moved here in 2000. Uh, originally from Philadelphia, I lived in uh, Northern Virginia and, and uh, Georgia for lived in Georgia for 25 years before I went to the Navy. Served in active duty Navy for four and uh, in the reserves for 19 and a half years. Moved here in 2000 for a job, been here ever since. And uh, been the Knights of Columbus here, now I'm in the choir in Escola here. And uh, I also am a uh, Third Order Augustinian at the Priory at the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Charlestown, West Virginia, which is in the old St. James Church. The new church is down by the racetrack off of 340. Um, but we're in the old church, and it's, it's quite nice. So, cool. But uh, glad I'm here. Thanks for having okay, me. Okay, good. Oh, gosh. So glad that you came in. Andrew, how about you? Okay, we uh, moved to Sykesville in 1998. Uh, moved here with my wife, Patty, and my two sons. Uh, we've been involved with church, scouts, soccer, racquetball in the uh, community, and I've got 35 years working in technology in the Washington, D.C. area. I've worked in different areas, including like finance, space science, and the government. All right, so we're here today to talk about the books that you guys have published and the ones that you're going to publish. Uh, it's a pretty amazing set of uh, books, and I, I'm so... I tell you, as a as a person who I do write, but I kind of learned to write in my work in the government, and I was really t a terrible writer initially. So it's really cool to me whenever I see people who actually are authoring their own books. So Michael, can you just talk a little bit about maybe your your first book? Well, I, I decided when I turned uh, sixty back in November that I needed a new hobby, so I started writing books, and. Uh, the, there are things that I've been thought about, or things I've been learning about. I had been uh, going through some theology training with the uh, New St. Thomas Institute uh, certification program uh, through Dr. Taylor Marshall, and uh, been learning quite a bit. And I was doing a lot of reading, and had some some interest came up, and I said, you know, these are things I ought to share. So the first book I wrote was the uh, Non of Universal Importance uh, about the canceled saints and the liturgical calendar changes. Uh, that happened in 1969. And um, this was uh, something of interest to me. It's not a lot of writings about it, but um, this is a, uh, a period in, in history where the, the, the calendar was totally revised by the Concilium after Vatican II, and a lot of the popular saints uh, were uh, removed from the calendar. The calendar was, uh, Vatican II had asked to have a, a, a pruning of the calendar, removing some of the older lesser-known saints and adding some of the mo uh, more major saints in there, but the uh, concealment went, went a little bit in a different direction, let's say, and uh, eliminated quite a bit. They removed almost everyone from the calendar and started adding a few back in there. 
So that was something that I thought was of interest because people of my parents' generation, my, my mother would know uh, certain dates by who the the saint was for that day. Like if I said I was going to come over on February 2nd, she was, oh, you're coming over on St. Bridget's Day. She knew them by the day. And, and I think that was the way in a lot of Catholic homes in the 1940s and 50s, in particular, when my parents were growing up. Yeah, and now it seems like there are a lot of people who don't know much at all about saint days or you know feast days of, of lesser known saints yeah i think a lot of people in today's day and age really don't don't know their saints don't know why we even celebrate them or what their purpose was they're just a bunch of old names in a book now when i was looking at the the information about this book i thought to myself are you kidding me this book this book is over 500 pages long well, how in the world did you come up with uh the uh, this idea to write this much for your first book well part of the volume of that book comes from that i included the biographies of all those 300 plus saints that were uh. removed from the calendar in there so the the second half of the book is uh, all those biographies and a lot of those biographies came from um digitized books from the 1700s that i had to go and get uh, good biographies of from there and so i was translating translating a lot of old english to modern english from those <laughs> so lots of research y that yes you did it for the, how long did it take you to actually write the book um i think it took me probably about um i started work on it before i turned 60 i actually started working on it last uh, last summer so it took me almost a year to write it but it was it was a labor of love you know it was like i was enjoying my time writing it and um I just really had a you know had a story to share and you know I've, it's it's done pretty good you know considering mm -hmm. it gets a zero promotion on Amazon I've sold them you know a couple hundred <laughs> book copies of it so wow cool <laughs> and tell me about a few about a few of the saints that are um, some of the I don't know ones that were removed well some of the ones that were removed that you know people should know for certainly Saint Christopher is probably the most famous of them a lot of people had devotion to Saint Christopher wore Saint Christopher medals. And stuff, and my uh, dad did. Yeah, yeah, it was a very popular devotion. And uh, in fact, when he was removed by the Concilium, Pope Paul the Sixth, uh, at the last moment, said, "No, he says I want to leave Christopher as an optional devotion because so many people were upset hearing that he'd been removed from the calendar, and so he was catching the flack and decided let's let's save Christopher. So he's technically still in the calendar, although." You really have to look for it to find it. It's an optional memorial. Another one that's popular that's gone is Saint Valentine. Mm. Um, you know, he has he has a certain popular feast day on the 14th of February that everyone's pretty familiar with that. But they don't Hallmark know much about him. Yes, certainly. What's left of them anyway? Uh, Saint Dorothy's another one. Saint Boniface. Saint Lawrence Justinian. Uh, there's also some feast days that were eliminated, like the Feast of the Holy Name of Mary, which is so it's September the 12th, that was established in 1683. So it wow. lasted for quite a long time until it was removed in 69. The Feast of uh, the Dedication of St. Michael the Archangel, also known as Michaelmas. A lot of people remember that name, Michaelmas, September 29th. He, his feast day was combined with Raphael and Gabriel. As they now it's the Feast of the uh, Guardian Angels, I think right. they call it now. St. Peter of Alcantara and uh, St. Anastasia, who is who I have my publishing moniker on the back of the book, St. Anastasia Press. St. Anastasia, she's listed in the Roman canon, so if you certainly go to a mass said by Father Mondo, he likes to use the Eucharistic prayer number one, which is the original Roman canon, that names all the saints. Anastasia is in that list in of there, saints. Yeah. Now, St. Anastasia was her feast day is December 25th. 
and it was always traditionally that the second mass of Christmas was her feast mass. Mm. So if you went to the second mass of Christmas, then that was a, a memorial for Saint Anastasia. But cool. Uh, those are some of the ones. There's, but there's a, you know, well over three hundred that were removed. If you count all the ones that like with companions and things that we don't even actually know how many companions it were, just a, a certain saint and a group of companions that were with him that all got martyred or something. Yeah. So and you included all all of those that were removed yeah. in the book. Mm-hmm. All those biographies are in this book. So I have a, a friend of mine. Uh, he and his wife had bought my book, and they told me just about a month ago. They said. Mike, we really enjoy this. We read this every day, and we read the Saint of the Day. And so we don't even know a lot of these saints, and now we know them now. So wow, they great. really enjoy reading the Saint of the Day every day. So because yeah, well, they're, there you go. they're arranged, uh, they're arranged chronologically in there, so you can just follow them by the day and and go to that Saint of the Day. Great, good. Let me shift over to Andrew. And Andrew, uh, I noticed that all of your books you've sort of collected into a series. Is that right? Uh, yep. So for the series thing, that was more for um, advertising on Amazon. Ah. So when you, put your, when you put books in a series and someone finds one of your books, Amazon shares that, well, there's actually a whole series here. You might be interested in some of these other books. So I combined them all into a, a, a series called Spiritual Places. And I thought if I ever wrote some, uh, went back to writing some technical stuff, I could kind of keep them separated that way. Because yeah. probably someone interested in an article on, say, Java, uh, programming language won't also may not also be interested in a, a story about church right <laughs> right sure <laughs> okay so uh, tell me about um, the first book that you wrote it was the, the one about spirit how to find spiritual places sure let me go back to I started writing in 2000 and first I did a series of technical articles the first one was an article in Java report magazine called how to run a Java user group the uh, article was, uh, seemed to be successful. I got a lot of emails. People told me, thank you, thank you for sharing all, all this. I started my own Java user group. I got a big raise and a promotion. And then it occurred to me afterwards that I was probably only average in my role of running the Java user group. And it was just okay. But man, that article really took off. Ah, <laughs> so interesting. That kind of got me, got me going. And then after that, I was frustrated. Um, we used to read the, uh, the Carol Gazette, local paper here. And I would always see things on a Tuesday about all the great stuff I missed on the preceding Saturday and, and Sunday. And I thought, man, why do we always read about the things we missed? That was wonderful. I would have loved to have gone to that event. So I, just, I, I pitched a proposal to do a weekly column called A Day Trip from Sykesville. Cool. So they took me up on it, and I did that for about, we did that for about half a year. So that was a, that was a neat uh, experience. And then several years later, uh, Father Neville asked me to do a little project in Sykesville. He was trying to get something together, although he, I don't think he ever told me exactly what it was. But he had me go around and talk to a couple people and explore some places in Sykesville. And Father Neville explained to me, he said, you know, the, the main thing the church does is evangelization. And even though we do other things, it really all points back to evangelization. So that sort of stuck in my head. And then I had this idea to write about spiritual places. And it's really the same thing as the, uh, the articles in the Gazette called A Day Trip from Sykesville. But instead of places, uh, family fun places, now we go to spiritual places. Cool. Nice. So that's the. So what's uh, in the book? What what kinds of things are in there? Uh, spiritual places is a bunch of short chapters on suggested uh, spiritual activities, places to go. Some of them around here, but the book is actually called Spiritual Places: How to Find Spiritual Places in Your Town. So I was trying to make it generic enough so people anywhere could benefit from it. Nice. And let's talk about one more of your books, Andrew. How about the the next one in there? That's uh, it's a journal. 
Sure. That was just a companion to uh, Spiritual Places. While I was waiting for some editing and uh, reviews of the book, uh, I was kind of bored and I had read an article about how someone, uh, how, how people were putting together journaling books, very simple, short amount of effort, and then putting them on Amazon and they were, they were very successful. So I thought, well, let me, let me do that. So I just borrowed some of the material out of Spiritual Places, added some, uh, some lines to it and uh, made it into a little more of an activity uh, journaling format. And that, and that was the, uh, the journal book. Cool. That's great. And uh, and then was it then that you decided you're going to create a series or, or was that right at the very beginning? Yeah, I think uh, maybe maybe when I came up with the second book, that's yeah. when uh, yeah, it made sense to, to, to begin a series. Cool. You're listening to Kaleidoscope on WSJF. This is the host of the show, Danny Gallagher, and I'm talking to two local authors from the area, Michael Murphy and Andrew Turner, about their books. Back to Michael. Hey, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, we, we we thought maybe it would be interesting to talk about the uh, looking at the making of the sausage or making of the, oh, of the book. Is yeah. there anything about that you want to talk about? Yeah, so not everyone that uh, participated in the concealing uh, was happy with the way things turned out. So Father Pierre Jornel was a member of Quetus One, that study group one. They're the ones that worked on the calendar uh, at the uh, concilium, he reflected in his memoirs, I prefer to say nothing or little about the new calendar, the handiwork of a trio of maniacs who suppressed with no good reason Septuagesima and the Octave of Pentecost, and who scattered three-quarters of the saints hidgily-pidgily, all based on notions of their own devising. Because these hot, three hotheads obstinately refused to change anything in their own work, and because the Pope wanted to finish up quickly to avoid letting the chaos get out of hand, their project, however insane, was accepted. Wow. <laughs> so there, there were some people who were disappointed in uh, the things that happened. <laughs> Even the things they participated in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's amazing. Okay, so let's talk about, can we move on to your uh, the next book that you wrote, which is uh, a set of personal prayers for Mass. Yeah, so that's a, a book that really I had compiled originally for myself because I was using it, Exalti Domini, which is hear us, Lord, is what that means uh, in Latin. Um, it, it's a, a, a booklet of prayers for before and after Mass and before and after Communion. And the idea is to, I, I price this cheap enough. This book, I think I make like 17 cents a book and then I, I donate the, that money back to the church. Mm. <laughs> so I really don't make any money, but I have to charge something for it. All my books are available on Amazon. But the uh, ex, the intention of Domini Exaudi was that you could uh, share it with friends. Maybe it was inexpensive. I think it's like it's four dollars, I think it is. Yeah, it's a you, short book, you, just yeah. fifty pages. But you, could, you could buy multiple copies and share them with your friends, or maybe leave one on the pew at church. Because uh. the idea is that anyone can use it. Are not meant for conservative Catholics or liberal Catholics, or any, just meant for Catholics, and, and really even some non-Catholics could benefit, even though they might have some issues with Marian Marianology and all that's in there. But they're t- traditional prayers, and they're they're meant that you can just reflect on Jesus, you know, before you start Mass, that right, people so come in. before and, get, and after Mass, and then also sort of before and after receiving you, Holy Communion. You can do them, yeah, but you can do them whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. They're just really intended for those purposes. 
And and I think that if a lot of people were using these or similar type things before and after mess, you'd have a lot less chatter going on in church. Yeah. But you're coming from your busy world where you you know maybe you've come from work or from you know dealing with the kids or you know, so cut you off on the road and you're you're you know upset or maybe you're got your mind focused elsewhere. This gives you time to focus yourself before mass starts. You sure, know, it's or, a great for me and from my perspective and in my own life my prayer life coming to mass and being at mass minutes early you know five ten minutes early is a great experience to just settle in mm -hmm. you know settle into to mass the, what's about to happen and there's a there's a prayer in the book that i really like for african community it's a it's a uh, eucharistic thanksgiving prayer by saint padre pio and that's mm -hmm. in the book and it's a it's a really good prayer uh, to reflect on receiving jesus and your your hope for the end of your life so um, and how that you, that if it, at bare minimum you could at least receive Christ in the Eucharist at, mm -hmm. at, at your final moment. Nice. So, well, that's, it seems like a great book to just buy fifty of and leave them, you know, sitting outside a church somewhere. I I, I second that emotion. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Okay, so um, back to Andrew. Can we uh, talk about your your next book, Andrew, which is called Why Church? And yes. this is actually a, a book that I read right after it came out. I remember you uh, sent something out, an email or something, to a bunch of people, and I was so interested that you had actually written this because I didn't know anything about your prior books. Um, I thought, wow, this is amazing. So I, I read it, and it's a it's a great story of your oh, thank you. life. Go yes. ahead. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and read like just the first uh, first page. I was born in New York in 1966. I came along a little earlier than expected, and my parents weren't quite ready with the name. My grandmother, Sophie, was in the hospital visiting at this time. Grandma was an immigrant to the United States from Belarus. The head nurse was tapping her pen on her clipboard. For the Gen Zers, tapping a pen on a clipboard is the equivalent of handing someone a tablet with an empty field and saying, put something in and hit enter. The nurse repeated, I need a name for the birth certificate. Mom and Dad had nothing ready, so my grandmother, Sophie, quickly suggested, in Russian, the name Andrew Michael. Mom translated into English for Dad, and they quickly agreed. The head nurse was satisfied. Little did my non-religious parents know that Grandma had given me the name of a favorite Christian disciple, Andrew, and a favorite angel, Michael, from her native Belarus and Christian Eastern Orthodox tradition. For a long time, I have known this story about how my grandmother picked out my name, but I didn't know the significance of Andrew and Michael until later in life. So having just been named after an apostle of Jesus and a mighty angel, I went home with my parents and never attended a church or read the Bible, nor prayed or learned anything about the apostles or the angels. Wow, so that's pretty amazing. So when did you have a conversion experience? So I guess I don't want to tell the whole, uh, the whole story, but I'll just jump ahead several years to, I think uh, we were 20. So it was on my uh, third or fourth date with my, who would later become my wife, Patty, I asked her to take me to her church. And that was the first time that I had attended a church or attended mass. So Patty showed me, showed me the ropes and it was like the next uh, step that I knew I was needing in my uh, in my spiritual journey was to uh, begin to share faith with, with others and and uh, praying in in a community. Great, great story. I I, I loved the book. It's <laughs> called um, Why Church. So back to 
Michael Murphy. Let's talk about your next book, which is very cool. It's a history of our church, St. Joseph Catholic Community. Yes, and uh, the book is uh, based on some original source material that was done by Monsignor Edward McAdams back in 1947. He did a short history for the Jubilee of the church. And then uh, Frank Fairbanks had done an unpublished typewritten um, short biography of, or short history of the church in 1976. Right. I actually remember that one. Yeah. So I I took elements from those and uh, and then reworked a lot of uh, new material because uh, I had to go and re-research everything they provided. Uh, not everything that was in their original histories was accurate. Things you know were transposed or names misremembered or whatever the case may be. So I had to go and re-research all those things they had in there. And then I worked with the Archdiocese of Baltimore's archives. I worked with the Washington, D.C. Archdiocese archives to get some photographs and histories. Georgetown University had some interesting photos and and uh, mementos, I guess, from the uh, Jubilee and stuff that they had in their collection because the, the Jesuits had a lot of that from the time when the Woodstock Fathers used to maintain the the church, the Catholic faith in this area long before they established a parish. Right. Uh, the book starts with the uh, the first baptism, the first Catholic baptism that happens in Sykesville in 1852. Wow. So you dive right in, you, you, that place you in the scene where fathers baptize in. It's the the mother is Catholic and the father is an Episcopalian from St. Barnabas. So mm. it's, it's, and they're, they're, uh, well-known uh, families from this area from that time period so it, it, it's a good local history too there's a lot of history about the community and the area growing up with the church so mm-hmm. and you even included some things some civil war things in yes that, that talk about the civil war now years ago i had a uh, i had written a um, history for the gatehouse museum the civil war in sykes so it was in a pamphlet in there but the main changes in ownership it seems to have disappeared so <laughs> wow and so this book um again it's an to me, it seems like an amazing amount of research. How long did it take to write um, it? Well, I actually started on that one back in 2017 when I was on the 150th uh, uh, committee for the anniversary for the parish. And uh, uh, we, I was the history person on our committee, you know, the, the archivist, and I was the one collecting all the information. And we ended up running out of time and we had to trim a few projects so this project kind of fell by the wayside like we're not going to finish the book in time for this event so let's put this on the back burner and go on to do other things and then uh i think it was when um last was last year we were doing the uh, family photos and um kathy uh nussbaum had asked me hey mike you still got the stuff in the history you want to finish that and i said sure i will and oh, so wow. so i i i finished typing the book and you know completing it and and, and she helped with provide a lot of the photos are in the back of the book of the ones the parish provided great and who actually published it then uh, it, it's published through amazon oh yeah. gotcha nice saint anastasia press my, uh-huh. my publishers yeah and it's in the book is in kind of limbo right now the the parish wanted to send it to the archdiocese for some kind of approval which is not needed because it's not a theological teaching no, not uh, an imprimatur they, they wouldn't need to do any of that yeah i i'm not sure i've asked kathy a couple times and i she said i'll I'll follow up and i never hear back so they told me not to promote it until they get this mysterious approval from the archdiocese but i've sold it to a few people who've asked about it and i have it's it's on amazon you can go there and buy it so yeah yeah Uh, i'm hoping that they get it blessed off from whatever office you know is doing this so that it can 
Because I know this is something that people in the parish would be interested in. You, oh, you, you I might think so find too. your own pictures in there. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I had never really seen a copy of it or anything. You know, I mean, I've been here a really long time, and, uh, and uh, it's it's surprising to me that. It's not being promoted yet, you know, by by St. Joe's, but that's probably why because they're looking for some kind of approval. But from I'm not sure what is they're looking for because I have yeah. another book, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. A book that's in in that's in that process because it is a theological teaching book. So that one is going for imprimatur, mm-hmm. uh, but that's in the Chancery Office. I know where that is. They get you know. I've already dealt with the people there, so I'm not worried about it. They told me before six weeks. It's, yeah. it's on schedule. Well, for my own benefit, I am going to ask. You know, I, I, I'm interested, and I am going to ask, you know, like, what, what's it, what's happening with this book? Because I'm interested in having it be available for people. You can show her that copy and yeah. say, hey, yeah. I, I just saw this, but in the interview, and I, I, I'd like to, why is this done out? Yeah. Why are people not getting this? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to ask about it and see what's going on. You're listening to Kaleidoscope. This is host Danny Gallagher, and I'm in the studio talking to local authors Andrew Turner and Michael Murphy about their lives and their books. Okay, back to Andrew. Thanks, Michael. Um, back to Andrew. Uh, let's talk about your. Um, let's see. What's what's the exploring mountains and stars? Shouting for joy. This one really was. I thought the introduction that you wrote that's on Amazon is a really good. That made me want to buy this book and and read it. So share a little bit about that book. Sure. And I uh, I didn't previously mention with uh, why church. Uh, a very a late night um, Facebook Messenger discussion with a good friend. They said, "Come on, Andrew, why do I really need to go to church? I pray, and sometimes I watch the guy on television." And that was uh, part of the thing that got me uh, moving forward with by church. So, with shouting for joy, I also got the the idea uh, based on a conversation with a good friend. So, I'll just go ahead and read just the first page of that. A good friend told me she enjoys watching a cable TV show that has lots of images of mountains and stars. Sometimes there are some nice quotes, which she suspects might be from the Bible. Like my friend, I also love those pictures and quotes, enough to spend some time exploring them together. Those pictures of the mountains remind me of a time when I climbed a tall mountain in Colorado. The pictures of the stars bring back memories of a job I had as a software developer working at NASA for the Hubble Space Telescope. Some of those beautiful pictures of my friend's TV show also include valleys and rivers and walking paths. The Bible says much about all of those things. Like my friend, I too want to know who created the mountains and the stars. And I want to know what that's got to do with me. Nice, good uh, introduction. So tell me about writing the book and uh, how did you come up with the idea then for that? Was just that whole story? You know, sort of that feeling. So Shouting for Joy is uh, intended for someone that's never believed or a little different than, like, say, the prior book, Why Church, is maybe for someone that, that stopped going to church or considers themselves a Christian uh, without attending a church. Mm-hmm. So Shouting for Joy is looking at the, the natural world, um, the mountains, the stars, and, and ourselves, and beginning to believe that we just couldn't all be this lucky. Yeah. So it's really for a person that's wondering, searching, 
people who are sort of on the science side of faith, maybe, right. and uh, and this might pull them over toward uh, toward actually believing in uh, in a god, the fact that there's a creator. Right. Cool. Well, that's great. I, like I said, uh, the introduction that you wrote on on or the description that you wrote on Amazon was a, was a great one and really kind of drew me in. Oh, thank you. Um, Michael, how about, uh, let's talk about your uh, last couple of books that you have for out for pre-public. They're not, yeah, they're not so there's, published yet. There's two in pre-pub, and there's one that's currently being written right now. So the two that are in pre-pub, the first one's called Ece Agnus Dei, which is Behold the Lamb of God is what that means. And that one is under review. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Deacon Brian in West Virginia, and Deacon Joe Slarity here at St. Joe's have been reviewing the book for me. Deacon Brian finished and uh, Deacon Joe is still towing the line. So when Deacon Joe gets done with it, then I will make whatever revisions are necessary and then it'll hit the press. So that one hopefully will be soon. I have, a lot of my friends have been asking about that book. And Ece Agnus Day is a, a, a book that goes through uh, scripture and the church fathers to talk about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And the, the book's intention is that Either those who don't believe or have weak faith, or maybe they have a strong faith, but they want to increase their faith of the true presence of the Eucharist, reading about all the foretelling of Christ in the Old Testament and the Eucharist that was going to come, the Mass, everything comes from the Old Testament in there, and uh, and then what the Church Fathers said about Christ in the Eucharist and that salvation wouldn't be without it you know right. that, that you can't read it and I, and I provide the original Greek text uh, in the New Testament for the Greek New Testament which was written in Greek to show the exact words that Christ uses and when in fact in John 6 when they ask him you know surely he doesn't mean he really wants to eat his flesh well he doubles down he he changes the word then mm. and the the new word actually mean instead of him saying eat he's actually saying like gnaw or chew so he makes it clear that he is not symbolic at all it can't be mis it, it can't be misunderstood as symbolic right sounds so, like a great book for the year of the eucharist is it is it I was hoping think to have it's it out gonna for be, it. I know. I was going to say this, this sounds like a perfect, uh, perfect book because there, are, there are so many people who just have a misunderstanding about the real presence in the Eucharist, and this would be a real help for them. It sounds like. I, I'm hoping that it'll be out this year. I was my original goal was March of 2023, so we're a little bit off that. The year's still not done yet, though, right. so I'm so hope, hopeful. Hope you can get it done. Okay, and let's let's talk about your last one: sit, stand, kneel, bow, or genuflect. Yes. So there's a there's a book in the business world called uh, bow. It was like stand, bow, shake hands, or something about how to do business in the international community. And I said, you know, that could be turned around for how to be a Catholic. You know, those are all the Catholic calisthenics. You know, those positions, the liturgical positions. And uh, so I decided to uh, cover not just those, but all the liturgical items in the church, the parts of the church building, the nave, the apex, all the different things that are in a church. And it's really designed for either new Catholics or people who have been with Catholic Church for years and just never do. Uh, when you kneel, when you genuflect, when you bow, when you when you come into church, you see people kneel before they get in their pew. You see some people bow. You see people nod their head. And you see some people do a little cock up with heads and say, yo, what's up, Jesus? Yeah, you know, which right. is my favorite one. <laughs> And but then you know what are you genuflecting? Are you genuflecting to the altar, to the crucifix, to the tabernacle? What is yeah. it that you're actually? 
genuflecting too. The answer is the tabernacle. But right now, uh, I've been doing this for sixty-seven <laughs> years, or what, or almost sixty-seven <laughs> years, and I, I'm thinking I could learn something from this book. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I've got photos of I think all the items in the book, and uh, that one is at the archdiocese at uh, the chancery there, the, doing the theological review because I want to make sure that I wasn't pumping incorrect smoke or something sure. so yeah yeah and exactly. uh, so uh no obviously incense of <laughs> yes uh, obviously when the archdiocese if they if they do provide the imprimatur it's it's merely just saying the book contains an error it doesn't say they agree with it or anything like that so i i tried to be neutral in my language i didn't try to promote a type of specific theology i just i told you what an item was how it's used and maybe where it came from in history mm -hmm. and i don't you know i don't say i have a preference to this or not that or you know and then i talk about things like that you may see church like some people especially seems to be coming back veiling in church for the young ladies why they do it where it comes from in scripture and so those things are in the book too so at least you can understand even if you don't choose to do those devotions on your own you can at least have an understanding where they come from yeah where they come from why it is that people might want to do that or consider doing that yes very very much so and the last one i just started this this is my first series that i'm starting this is going to be on a uh, biblical series it's called journeying into sacred scripture and the first volume is going to be in the old testament and it's going to be going through the books of the old testament reading certain stories out of it and then um finding christ in the old testament we're going to be talking about christ the precursors for Christ, the precursors for the Blessed Virgin Mary that appear in the Old Testament. You can see where these are coming from. And then and the second volume will be most likely be the New Testament is my goal, but it could change. I, mm -hmm. The Old Testament may get split into multiple books. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, the first book I started on this, and uh, I, I think I'm at about 50 pages right now. So. Wow. And again, it sounds like you must love to do research because these are all just huge research projects lots of time i i, I love research i am a uh, military historian and a genealogist i specialize in u.s military records before uh, world war one so civil war revolutionary war mm -hmm. uh, when people would get those letters from the national archives say sorry we couldn't find your grandfather down here they would call me and i'd go find them wow incredible <laughs> so you're a researcher from way back I, I i love researching michael and i are very different in that way um when the catechism study first started here at St. Joe's. I asked Michael if he'd be interested in joining me, and he said, well, that's, it's just a few days away, and I'd need to you know, extensively read the uh, catechism, read the prior version, the Baltimore catechism, find out who wrote it, what their goals were, uh, who edited it, and everything else. And I said, oh, that's crazy. I'm just going to spend an hour reading the first couple chapters and then tell them how I felt about it. <laughs> that's, that's the difference right there. <laughs> well, listen, thank you guys so much for coming in to talk on the show. And I just wanted to allow you a chance to just say one last thing to the people who are, who are listening to the Kaleidoscope show. So, Andrew, you can go first if you want to say anything. Oh, sure. Uh, feel free to reach out. I've got a Facebook page called Andrew Michael Turner Author, or you can probably spot me in the uh, Saturday 5 p.m. Mass here. Great. Sounds good. How about you, Michael? Uh, both Andrew's books and my books are all available on Amazon, and, I have it, and we both have Amazon author pages as well. So you can find our author page and you know, sign up to follow us on there, and you'll be alerted to any time we publish new, uh, new works on there. Uh, I'm usually at the 8 a.m. Sunday Mass is the one that's my, my time. I, I'm an early bird. Great. Okay, so you can find these guys around St. Joseph Catholic Community. Ask them about their books and look them up on Amazon. Thank you again so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much. You.
Thank you for listening to Kaleidoscope on WSJF with your host, Danny Gallagher. Stay tuned for more conversations where we point our kaleidoscope at a subject and talk about it to help us see in new and different ways. Talk to you again soon on Kaleidoscope.